So, welcome into Georgia Bama Coaches. Uh, you're probably wondering where our intro was, but considering the, the situation, we felt that we needed to be on a more serious tone and focus on the issue at hand. Uh, I'm sure all of you out there are aware of the um, situation and conflicts that are going on throughout the entire nation. And we felt that we needed to address that, uh, especially since it always seems that the sports leagues are ahead of the times. Uh, for example, Jackie Robinson was a uh, was crossed the line to play Major League Baseball 20 years before the Civil Rights Act was passed. Um, and there's plenty of other examples where sports was the forefront and is the example. Um, this is probably one of those moments that sports needs to step up and once again be the example to lead this country and this world into uh, a better future. So uh, you guys have the floor. Uh, whatever you guys feel going to say, uh, you've got my support. Yeah, first and foremost, let's put the phrase out there. Nobody here is like you know anti any race okay only thing me personally that i'm anti is racism okay and it gets to the point with me where it's like i don't think that anything has changed from the 60s and 70s other than now that we have technology to catch people with i mean that's basically what we're seeing right now um first and foremost i mean if you can't really, you know, love someone, you know, despite anything, especially something that's tribal as a skin color, there's something really wrong with that fundamentally. And I just, you know, it gets to me to like, you know, we we are still relatively young and we're all going to have families and, you know, no offense or any nothing you know bad intended when I say this is that like my child Lamorce's child we're going to have to have talks with them at certain ages to let them know how they're going to have to act in a society that necessarily other races don't have to have that talk with their kids and that doesn't really sit well with me it never really has um and I feel like we have a responsibility to say something about it because if you don't say anything about it to me and you have a platform, it's wrong because silence to me is compliance. If you don't stand up and say something is wrong, you know, then we're never going to get anywhere. Uh, I've always been on the side of Colin Kaepernick. Everybody said that, you know, he was doing it for, you know, publicity and all that stuff. But everything that he had to say was right. I mean, the man wasn't protesting the flag or being disrespectful like a bunch of people still believe, you know, due to propaganda by somebody whose name I won't mention. But it was to protest police brutality and things that I know myself personally, I've been experienced. I've I've seen with my own eyes. I've had to go through it, and I'm only 26 years old. My dad, you know, 54 year old, 
50, sorry, 56 year old military veteran and law enforcement retiree of 27 years. I've seen him be called the N word straight to his face by somebody who's not black. And I've had to see him have to deal with that after everything that he's giving. So to me, I just, I'm going to do my part in trying to make sure that things get better. Uh, I'll do whatever I have to do, talk, encourage younger African-Americans, not just African-Americans, but, you know, anybody that wants to be progressive because, I mean, it's not going anywhere unless we tackle it head on. And just ignoring it is not going to get us anywhere either. Eventually, we're all going to have to stand together, all of us that know better, and push for a better tomorrow. Because if we don't, then we're just going to be spinning our circles until Jesus comes back. And I'd rather not do that. Because, like I said, I'm prayerful that I hope I have a family. And I don't want my kids to have to go through this to any extent. I don't want to have my kid to be pulled over at 2 a.m. or 2 a.m. in the morning coming back from graduation for a cop to come over and sit over there and talk to you for 30 minutes asking you where you're from, what you're doing, is this your truck, all this, that, and the other, only to find and to say that, oh, you have a busted taillight, only to get home and realize, hey, both of my taillights work. What was that? Oh, yeah, driving while I'm black. And I'm sorry, I just, I, I have a problem with that. That's just my take on it. So for me, um, I've let this digest for a week or two without, I wouldn't say without voicing because I have voiced that support, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and the peaceful protests that are going on. Um, but my overall sentiment on what's going on in the nation is that there's a lack of respect with um, a lot of groups of people. I'm not going to specifically point out one race or police officers only because I feel like we all in some ways um, lack basic respect for each other. Um, And this is not a U.S. problem. You can see in sports, in soccer, um, in European sports, you were looking at they were doing Nazi salutes and yelling monkey chants at soccer teams um, while they were playing a game. And then in the NHL, you're seeing the N-word being uh, thrown at some of their players. I, for me personally, um, it's hard to not recognize the lack of respect that each other or people have for each other in the world. Um, It needs to be addressed. I think if you see police officers start respecting and not fearing, um, you know, black males or black people in general in every situation or in many situations, and they just have that basic respect for each other, I think some of the brutality would kind of go down um, compared to what it is. And the same way that we're holding police officers or whoever accountable in terms of how they treat each other, the violence, the everything. We should hold each other like our friends, uh, family, hold each other accountable 
for what you see them doing wrong as well. Preach. If you see someone in a situation where, yes, you may not agree with someone else's views or you may not, you know, just align with, with them personally, you still need to respect them um, regardless of what you do. And that's kind of what I'm seeing with each other. Um, just social media and everything. Nobody has respect. Nobody's trying to see eye to eye. And I have issue with that. And I don't think the world's going to be a better place until we're able to at least start off with respect and then hold each other accountable to do better on all fronts, not just one subgroup of people. I feel you on that. Like, and I, I'm glad you said, like, hold each other accountable because, like, we have to. I, I feel like a lot of, like, a lot of stuff that we sometimes go through is because of that right there. Um, you got to also be able to, you know, analyze the situation for yourself. And even if it is wrong, you got to realize that at the end of the day, you know, you try your best to see where the other party is coming from, be respectful in, in all ways and forms. But the thing about it that that gets me is because it's like I, I just I've seen a personal representation of law enforcement my entire life. Like my dad's made over 200 plus arrests. He's never had to fire his gun once. He's had to yell and scream, you know, arrest people. But he's never had to fire, shoot anybody, kill anybody to make an arrest. And he's made over 200 arrests. So it, it just always rubs me the wrong way when I've seen somebody my entire life do it the right way. And then you flip it and you see what you're seeing right now. And it's just like, I'm, and I'm not saying that a whole sub, subset of people are bad because my dad's not bad. He was a law enforcement agent. He's not bad. He did his job the right way. But just like I'm hearing, you know, people like, you know, Steven Jackson and those others that are in Minnesota and all over the world speak out. It's like just like you're asking us to hold each other accountable, which we have to. They've also Intel have to hold themselves accountable. Like They've got to be able to say, like, hey, this dude had, you know, five or six, you know, complaints, you know, saying that he's this has been a problem for him yet nobody checked him on it and then now a death later it's like oh crap how did we go wrong here it's like you already knew what he was about but you waited until you hit a oh crap moment and then now everything blows up and you're wondering why people are upset and tired now i do wish i wish there was a way for us to get, you know, completely alone without anything bad happening, but think about everything that's already happened. Think about all the ways that just speaking for black people, how we try to go about this the peaceful way. Got Colin Kaepernick that took a knee. Everybody had a problem with that. You had, you know, LeBron James and several NBA players wear like, I can't breathe shirts. He got shut up. He got told by a person on Fox News to shut up and dribble. He's just an athlete. You know, you have all these these separate occasions of people trying their best to use their platform 
in positive ways and then yet you get told hey this is wrong we're uncomfortable with this we don't like this you did this wrong you've done that wrong and i'm just that i would also be at the point as as a people where you're just like well what are we supposed to do what do you want us to do we 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 like we be peaceful where that that doesn't do anything like there's the fox news lady said it what they want you to do yeah that that, that's what they that's what it is right because they don't want to have this it's it's they're not they they're stirring they're pushing the conversation to something that it isn't so that they don't have the conversation they don't want to have because it's uncomfortable for them because they don't want to admit that this is a reality right nobody wants to admit that it's the status quo and i mean the and once again not trying to step on any toes but those that are in power are always people that have power are always afraid to lose it that's just that's history that's textbook one on one no one that has power wants to lose it. And you see that it's a power struggle. So it's always a bunch of deflections, smoke screens, smoking mirrors, trying to change the subject from what it's not than what it is. And I mean, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I just want to break down two of the biggest things that I've heard this week from my point of view. And then I'm going to let y'all comment on what y'all think about it. So the first one is when they when I've heard on TV that it's like, hey, people are throwing out statistics. Okay. I hear all the time black people kill more black people than white people kill black people. So you need to tell those people that they're hurting and killing themselves more than we are. Okay. Here's my first problem with that. Now, do we have a responsibility to check each other as a people? Yes, we do. Just like everybody has that responsibility to check their subgroups of people. We understand that. But you have to understand what's going on when you say that. Like these low demographic areas like Chicago, you know, or, you know, South Central Los Angeles, or even, I mean, there are places like that all across the country. When you have that many poor people or people that are struggling in life with limited money and limited resources, that's going to happen. You, you, you've seen that, you see that in the wild all the time. Like, I mean, and I'm not trying to say that we're animals or anything, but you see it in nature all the time. You, you drop any, any organism, any carnivore in an area with limited resources What's going to happen? They're going to fight each other for those resources. It's called basic survival. You can't get that. So don't sit there and say that because of that, that's, you know, that's the problem. Because if we, if we go into it, we can talk about mass incarceration and all that stuff that are really ploys to, to stop black people from getting jobs in the first place. But I won't get into that. That's a lot. My second thing is in the rebuttal, when people, when you hear black lives matter, people are saying, well, all lives matter. I've heard another perfect analogy, and I think that it's, it, it, it speaks volumes. You got five people outside. One kid falls over 
and hurts their leg dramatically. I'm talking about it's in pieces. You saying all lives matter is like saying I'm going to attend to everybody's leg right now because everybody matters. But there's only one kid with a severely broken leg. It makes no sense. So to me, personally, like those two things are the biggest things that I've gotten underneath my skin because like I'll always say at the end of the day, I want to have children and I do not want my children to have to go through what it is that I see right now. Like nobody wants to have to teach their son, hey, you know what, if you get pulled over, put your hands on the steering wheel, have your ID in your hands, make sure your car is turned off, make sure you let your window down, make sure you're making eye contact, put your, um, you know, make sure that you have everything visible so you have to move minimum as possible. Like, I've had, my dad's had to have that conversation with me. But then I go and I ask some of my other friends, their dads have never had to have that conversation with them. And to me, that's a problem. So with that being said, I mean, man, it, something has got to change. And it, I mean, it starts with, you know, it starts with people. Like, I have no idea how you're going to eradicate an idea because racism is the same as terrorism. It's not, you know, a tangible thing. It's an idea. And the hardest thing to do is destroy is to destroy an idea. But I believe it comes through education. I believe it comes through reconciliation. And I think it just comes out of that basic respect that Lamoris was talking about, that we have got to be able to look past what I look like in order to move to the next level. And I guess for me, what I want to see is what's next. So I feel like there's a general consensus that America as a whole kind of sees there's an issue, or at least a large portion of America sees there's an issue. Um, But what do we do now to kind of flip everything that's going on and how do we hold each other accountable? How do we make it better for um, not only Black people, but also for the cops who are going out there and risking their lives? Because I... In the same way, I don't think it's right that there's police brutality. I don't think it's right that we need to go there and humiliate cops. I don't think we need to go and try to necessarily hurt them um, because at the, what is that accomplishing at that point? Um, that's only, in my opinion, inciting more conflict. That's, that's a war waiting to happen. And I'm not sure if that's the best part, but what do we do next um, at this point? I'm curious to see how a police officer feels, you know, in this time. Like, do do they support, you know, what's going on? Or I understand that this is their career that they've chosen. I'm sure, even for me, I I wanted to be a cop growing up. Um, You saw it differently, but as you get older, you kind of, your eyes open to how the world may work um, and it may not work for your advantage all the time, but how does, how does a cop feel when they're out here 
on the streets and every day they're suiting up to protect and, and serve their country. But because of the cop, I guess, complex or however they want to do it, you know, there's, there's a lot of officers who aren't upholding those same standards. So what are they saying to those officers? Are you coming back and saying, okay, this officer needs to, you know, take a break. Don't, don't work here anymore. Or how are you training them? Um, I remember in college, we had trainings on de-escalating situations. So I was shutting down parties of 50 people with no issues, yet I don't understand why a cop is afraid, you know, of one or two people who may or may not have a gun, but they can't see it. But I don't know what's inside of an apartment full of people, but I'm going in there, you know, because that's my job. So I, I just kind of, what's the, what's the next step for us? But, and you, I'm glad you said that too, because I mean that, man, it, what you just said is, is perfect. I mean, me personally, and I know this might sound wrong, but it is what it is. I really don't care at this point. I feel as if you need a college education or at least an associate's to be a police officer. That, And I understand that's asking a lot of some people. But to me, it, I think a lot of the problem, some of the problem, not a lot, some of the problem is what Lamoris is saying. There is no community. There is no proper teaching that's going on at this point. Or I feel like you can make trainings better. Like I said, on the one end from my father, like my father was a federal agent. So, you know, federal agents, you know, they, they're getting top dollar from the government in order to get their training. You see the results from the feds, okay? You look at local police officers, you know, state troopers, those are all state-funded, okay? <clears throat> Meaning that, like, my dad needed a four-year degree in order to be a federal agent. In order to be a police officer, all you need is a high school diploma. Or in some cases, you can get your GED and become a police officer. Okay, I, I, and that might be, that might sound wrong, that might sound mean, but I think that there might need to be more education. Like, me to be a teacher... To mold young minds, I had to go to school for four years after I graduated high school. Why is it that somebody who's being told to serve and protect has the ability to take away lives if need be? Why do they not have to go through the same education that we do, but their job is, in my opinion, out of the three necessary ones teaching uh, protection and uh, what's the other one? Medical. They they're close to one, if not two, of how like the big three most important things that we have to have in order to survive as a people. So I mean, me personally, I would push for reform in that area and make the standards high. And with that comes, you're going to have to find a way to, you know, and this might be controversial, you're going to have to find a way to pay them more. I mean, would you really go and be 
a police officer if you're only going to get paid like $30,000 a year to risk your life? I mean, this, I mean, it's just like any other job place. I mean, if we're being honest, like all of us, JT, I don't think that you would want to work somewhere that you would make 15000 when you know your degree and your master's afford you to make 60000 correct? Yes. So my point and my part, my problem with that is, is that, you know, I feel like you would get a better brand of officer if you had that incentive. It's the same thing with teaching. Look at the teaching field. Those places that can offer teachers more typically have a better brand of teacher. Those places that can't afford, you know, to pay well, have a worse or off brand of teacher. Now, am I saying that that is an excuse? Absolutely not. If that's your job and you sign on to do your job, you should do your job at the best of the ability. But we all know human beings. We all know we're all driven by different things, but the majority of humans are driven by money. We get well, that. Well, let's take it back to when me and you were in college. You weren't getting a dime from the football team. Correct. And when you you put laundry through the first time and it came out a little bit wet in the dryer, were you waiting around for it to go around again? No, I wasn't. You you threw it in the locker and said, good luck, buddy. Forget it. You're right. Because, and I'm telling you, that's, just, that's human nature, my man. Yeah. Like, no, nobody is going, especially when you feel like, you know what I'm saying, that I could do better someplace else. Like, I could have been a dead gum RA and could have made more money. I was just trying to get my foot in the door being a coach. But you're absolutely right. Why in the world, if I'm not getting any money, why I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do the bare minimum, which in a lot of cases, I think this is, I mean, that's a big part of what's going on. And I mean, no one is wanting to focus on you know the police but you you have to because at the end of the day that's where we're where this a big part of this problem is stemming from and then after that you have to deal with the ignorance of people that don't agree with what people are standing up for and i mean that goes beyond of just one race it does because you got you got Hispanic people that think that what's happening is okay. You got, you know, some black people that think that it's okay because it doesn't affect them as much as it used to in their lives. Like, it, there's layers beyond layers beyond layers of this stuff. But my thing is, if it affects one of us, it affects all of us. That means if it's affecting Lamoris, it's affecting me. If it's affecting you, it's affecting me. You can't see past it by saying, oh, I see it, but I'm not going to say anything because it's not affecting me because your silence is giving the nod and saying that it's okay involuntarily. And that's just what I can't sit with. It doesn't sit well with me. And I, and I, and believe me, a lot of people aren't saying anything because they're afraid of their platform. They're afraid to say something because they're, they're uh, afraid of like the abuse or something that might come at them because of what, because of what they say. My thing is like, dude, you're not, we're not going to get anywhere unless somebody has the quote unquote nuts to stand up and say, hey, this isn't right. And you don't know who you will affect. You don't know what, who you will affect, who you'll reach if you try. But just sitting there and doing nothing, being like, this will pass, 
it's going to go. It's not going to take us anywhere. We're going to stay exactly where we are if a lot of people don't stand up and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not I'm not vibing with this anymore. We got to find a way to make this better. Well, I'm going to speak from somebody that grew up in a white town. Because um, I'll be honest, for a long time, I didn't get this. I, I just didn't. Uh, you know, I've gotten pulled over five, six times in my lifetime. They've all been by white cops and all been in white towns. Uh, and I was respectful. And one time I did get a ticket, but it, it, it was never escalated more than it, there was never any escalation to the issue at all. It was I was always respectful. I always uh, never argued with the cop. Um, and I th- and for the longest time as a kid, I thought you do that, you'll be OK. But, you know, once I went to college, met you guys, you know, really started to get educated about stuff, realized Sometimes you can do nothing wrong and still fail and still be less than in somebody's eyes. And uh, it, and in my opinion, it's not just hate that is part of racism. It's trust. You know, you can, you know, I, I knew cops. Uh, my dad was in public safety. Um, and I do believe these are good, honest men. Uh, and I'm sure there are out there that's something that you would uh, sh- surprise that they may act differently. Um, and it's not because they, they don't, you know, they actually truly hate somebody of another race, but it's, it's not just that it's trust. You know, can you look at somebody and see their skin and, and trust them on a human level? And if skin is a factor in that, that's a form of racism. And it's more than just, Oh, when I see a black person, I, I, you know, I want to do this or that. It's, it's, it can be smaller than that, and it's not as obvious sometimes. No, you and you're right. And I mean, it's just like you got to look at it from this point of view too. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you've been around me for you know some of the things that have happened that you know I'm not going to divulge any names because you know. Those guys now, they have jobs, they have families. I'm right. not out to, you know, come after anybody. But, yeah, going to Valdosta, I mean, we're we're talking about 20, what, 2011, 2012? Yeah. We're not talking, you know, long. I, I know of two distinct instances where I was around in the conversation and, you know, I've heard individuals clearly say, you know, hey, I just want to let you know you're a good one. Dude, what do you mean by that? I'm a good one. You're a good black person. Those other blanks, mm-hmm. I I don't mess with, but I mess with you because you're a good one. Dude, I don't, what, what does that mean? I've, I don't think I've ever been more irate when I've had to respond to that because it's like, who who are you to know what that who what that person's life has been? Who are you to to know who they're about, what their story is, what their struggles have been? Just because you had a particular a life experience doesn't mean that they were given or afforded the same opportunities as you were. And to me, that's what I'm trying to say is that. It 
it's that type of idea, that type of just nonchalant, you know, racism. Right. That if left unchecked, those guys are going to have families. <laughs> they, one of them does have a family. And he's teaching his son that. And his son is going to go ahead and perpetuate that for generations to come, you know, unless there's a change. You know what I'm saying? They, and I, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that just churns my stomach because it it could be some things just as subtle as that, that, you know, you don't know how many people that, that guy's going to come in contact with, you know, who his son's going to come in contact with, who his family's going to come in contact with and pass those ideals or share those ideals with other people. And then all of a sudden, like I said, you're right back to where we are right now, where, you know, people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you're seeing people saying, hey, we'll burn down cities. We'll destroy stuff until you listen. And I mean, me personally, like I said, it's just my opinion. I don't care. You know, people have a lot of problems with the looting and the rioting. I don't I have a big problem with the looting. I don't agree with that stuff. I don't I don't think you should steal. Okay? But let's face facts. We're all sports fans. Okay? People riot after every World Series, <laughs> after every NBA championship, after every Super Bowl. They burned they nearly burnt down West Philly when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Well, those fans are psychotic. We really can't use them as a barometer for the situation. They did the same thing in Boston in 2008 when the Celtics won. They did the same thing when uh, in, they were dang near ready to destroy Houston when the Astros won, even though they cheated, by the way. It's just well, like... That's a different story. But, you know, yeah, it's a different story. <laughs> but, like, that, that's what Falcons fans... Oh, like, oh, wait. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's, that, that's what I mean, man. It's just like... You see this happen in sports, and you don't see anybody really talk about it because, okay, we're trying to turn a blind out of that because people are just excited at the fact that, you know, we won the NBA Finals or we won the Super Bowl. Okay, but when it happens because of social injustice, now it's a big problem. It's a huge problem. And like I said, go back. From the very beginning, cover all the bases. Silent protest, peaceful protest. Get, you know, the president of the United States saying, get that SOB off the field, firing. Okay? Cool. Um, you have him denying NBA champions invitations to the White House because of similar reasons. Okay? Cool. They weren't coming Wait. anyway, so don't worry. So, so you exactly. What's <laughs> your breath mean? doing sure. that anyways? You know what I mean? And it's like you know, I, it, it, and to, I mean, I'm telling you, like to me, like that's what that's what I feel like perpetuates a lot of this stuff. And like I said, to me, until you it gets better, it's it's you know it's going to stay the same. And, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, we wish that we could let loose and, you know, 
just say what's on her mind. But even me right now, and I know Lamores too, you know, I'm not going to speak for him, but I can just assume because I know him that you have to control your, your tone in any way when you're talking about a subject like this, because even though I feel like I'm well within my first amendment rights to get on here and blast and yell and scream. Okay. But once again, I'm trying to be the example. I'm angry. I'm mad. But at the end of the day, you've got to find a way to meet people and get a get a dialogue started. You have to. And if that means that you have to simmer your anger and find another way in order to go about it, then you have to do that. That's what true progress is. You're going to have to pull up, roll up your sleeves, put your big boy pants on, and find a way to get this thing to work. Because we have to. We have to. Not just for us, but it's the next generation. Once again, I'm going to keep saying it until it hits home with somebody. I don't want my son, I don't want my daughter to have to come into this world and age 13, hey, let's lay down these ground rules for life. You got to understand X, Y, and Z. Because if you don't, you can die. Just don't think that's right. I guess um, two other things I wanted to talk about. Um, How do we deal with not necessarily police officers, but those people that may call the police because they feel uncomfortable about um, a Black person who's doing something totally legal. They haven't seen them commit a crime, but you're calling the police um, or taking the law into your own hands. Um, How do we combat that? Um, And then also, there's a lot of athletes, um, and I'm just going to use them as an example, who may have tweeted out something as a child or as a middle high schooler. Um, and now looking back on it, you know, it's a little racist or triggering or whatever you want to call it. Should we hold them to the same standard they are today, even though this was what they tweeted out? 10, sometimes 15, 20 years ago when they were a kid, how do we address that with children or, and teach today's kids um, that, you know, some of these things that you say um, are offensive. You shouldn't, you have no business saying it um, or posting it or even really thinking it. Um, but, you know, those are some issues that I see outside of the police brutality that kind of um, also aid in in some ways of of the racism that's going on in the United States? Well, I mean, I think those are real good questions, bro. I mean, the first one, I mean, I like I said, I, I, talk, I told you this the other day when it comes with me. I mean, when you have folks that'll call on you simply because of the fact that, like, they're uncomfortable with you, you've got to protect yourself first and foremost. Um, I mean, me personally, and it sucks that I have to do this, but as a black man in America, I've created a shortcut on my phone that, like I say, if I say, you know, Siri, police, it automatically, you know, sends a text message to you, April, and JT, 
and it says, hey, I've been pulled over or, hey, I'm having an altercation with such and such. Okay, we'll send you the video after I'm done. And my phone automatically cuts to a video after sending out that text message and it begins to record automatically. All right. And then after I'm done, okay, or after like, you know, I say done or whatever, it cuts off and that video gets sent to those three people that I know that have my best interest at heart. Um, so until you find a, a better solution, you have to find a way, you have to protect yourself. Uh, and I know that, that sounds crazy, but you have to, because that's just the world that we live in right now. You never know what's going to happen because not to ruffle any feathers, but think about Emmett Till. Imagine if Emmett Till would have had a phone. Would that have happened to him? You think? I don't think it would have happened to him. You know, even it could have been, you know, I'm not saying that it, it would have, it couldn't have got used against him or whatever, but say if he had a phone when people were starting to, when that white lady accused him of whistling at her and it actually gets taken to trial instead of him getting sensibly beaten like an animal instead of treated like a human being. Does that happen to him? Prayerfully and hopefully not. Um, the second one, you have to you have to have a fundamental belief that people change. Now, we all know, and it's been a wise tale from most parents. You people don't like my parents used to always tell me, you don't people don't have to tell you who they are. They show you who they are every single time you're with them. So you can make adolescent mistakes. I think we all have made adolescent mistakes. I know for a fact I have made adolescent mistakes. Uh, Lamores, I know you have too. JT, so, I know. Uh, I was about to say, you make some, <laughs> some grown mistakes. <laughs> what you mean? Oh, man. That's a conversation but, for know, a different podcast. But, you know. Yeah, hashtag I am Lim. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yo, man, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? It's like we've grown from all of our, you know, individual things. And if you've shown growth and progress, you can't hold what somebody said at 10 years old against them. I don't really do that. Now, if you're an idiot enough to say it on a live stream like the NASCAR driver, well, hey, you deserve to lose your job. Like, you know what I mean? Like that that's pretty, you know, pretty bad. But like how people were digging up stuff about, you know, who? Like Brother Nature, the guy that, you know, does all the stuff with the deers or whatever. They dug up stuff about him that he posted when he was in middle school on Twitter. It's like, come on now. It's like you gotta be you gotta be scrolling real hard through somebody's timeline to go all the way back to like two thousand and you know, five. Okay, how do you even get that far back? Because I I can't get that far back in my own timeline on Twitter. How does somebody else get that far? Like it literally just cuts off, but it doesn't let you go back any farther in, in your, your own tweets. Like you have to search, wow. right? Oh, okay. wow. Oh, okay. yeah. So like you can like go back because I look. I mean, me personally, I, I I mean I know I've made mistakes. You know, I can only speak for myself, but it's like, dude, you know, we grow. We have to, I mean, you, you have to find some way to see that people change. I mean, shoot. So what? Like, so what's up? What's the cutoff age for 
for knowing right from wrong because we're seeing, you know, high schoolers today. Um, I know of one recently where I think they were students um, going to West Georgia. Oh, yeah. Um, I know you're about. And, and they posted some questionable uh, Snapchats or TikTok uh, about Black people. Um, do we hold them accountable or do we? Yes, you yeah. hold them accountable. Them. Now, yeah, now I, I don't think well, the age limit is the issue. I think it's, I think it's, if this is something that they did 10, 15 years ago, that's, that's, you know, one thing they've had the chance to grow and understand that they did something wrong. But if it's something that they did a month ago and they're juniors in high school, that's, that's enough to be accountable in my book. I mean, no, you, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, let, let, let's be real. Let's put the shoe in the other foot. Okay. Will we get held accountable? Yeah. If we were on our job and we did something stupid yeah. right now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Let's go back to, you know, let's go back to Val Officer. When I didn't put them them clothes, <laughs> I didn't put them clothes back inside the washer. No, we ain't bringing up that instance. But when I did put them clothes back in the washer, you know, I got chewed out. You know what I'm saying? Like it, you have to be held accountable for your actions. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, JT, you look. I, I I'm not gonna say the person's name, but I'm just gonna use it for the the thing of the podcast. You had one person that when we was in school say that they couldn't be with me because I'm black. I, I know. Turn around three years later. Do she have she had a baby Chill. Chill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. So it's like, dog. So, so maybe bro. you were a you trailblazer, my friend. Maybe you led the way, made her realize the error of her ways. Maybe, maybe oh. Maybe she just didn't like you. Maybe your ears were too big. <laughs> bro, look, maybe so, but I know that I have a head full of hair. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. But I th- wasn't, weren't maybe, you also at the, the, that time you were technically uh, underage and she couldn't be with you because you were still 17 you, at the time? I was 18 when all that went oh. down. I turned 18 a, a week into to our first year, of, <laughs> our first week of college. So nah, I was I was good back then, but yeah, man. Like I mean, I know that that's funny or whatever, but like, I mean, that's a, that's an example. Yeah. Like she literally was like, "You're black, I like you, but I can't be with you." I mean, we was also going through some other junk. I'm not gonna digress, but that was like a major factor. And I'm literally like, fast forward, not even three years. It's like she has a whole mixed baby. Yes. With a guy, with a black guy. Well, she, that was she, in our dorm. That was in the same grew. room as us. What blows my mind? So, I have no idea. So, I have, but that that's be more. Get back on the serious note. I mean that that's what I mean. Like, but people can change, but you got to give them the opportunity to change. You know what I'm saying? And if they don't, then you call them on their BS. But I know what TikTok you're referring to, and she deserved to. They they both deserve to get kicked out of every college that they got they got accepted into. Go to go. You better get connected for free with Education Connection. You better get online. That's all I gotta say about it. Yeah, you're right. And you know what I say to 
everyone that has a problem with the punishment that they received. What about Trayvon Martin? He did nothing wrong. He didn't get to graduate high school. He didn't get to go to college. He didn't get to have a life. He didn't. So them and, not I mean, getting to graduate and having to go to school online, I don't have I don't have any sympathy for them. I don't. You don't. And, and that's the biggest thing, bro. Like, you're still alive. You're just not going to be able to go to the school that you want to go to. So go ahead and get your, your night shift at Walmart and get online and take and get your degree. And here, it, it is what at it the is. end of the day, though, because of the color of their skin, they can get they go they get an online degree. They can still go get a job and be just fine in five years. Exactly. So I this mean, is really not going to affect them that much at the end of the day. Right. I mean, it's just like I mean, and I know speaking from the from the the black perspective. I mean, just think about that right there. Like, think about the type of things that you have to do. Like, Lamores, you can back me up here. If I'm wrong, please check me. But it's almost like being black in America, you real deal have to be twice as good and make half the mistakes in order to get where you should be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not good. Like, I can't just... You know what I'm saying? Be average. You know, I got to be above reproach and all that because one false step could be it for me. You know what I'm saying? But you have other people that get, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth chances to maneuver through life where I don't really feel that, you know, a lot of people get those type of chances. Well, just because of who they are. Well, I mean, well, let's equate the sports. I mean, no disrespect to UGA, but I mean, if Mark Rick wasn't white, would he have had the, uh, the tenure as long as he did? With mm. with with the the record that he had. I mean, he had a fine record, but it wasn't. You know, there there was a lot of down years there, and mm. would he have would he have still had his job as long as he did? And would he have turned around and gotten the job at Miami? the very next season if he wasn't white. Sneeze, sneeze, Charlie but Strong. But look at how many yeah. sneeze, sneeze, Charlie Strong. How, how many black how many black coaches do you see no, you're right. in general? And when so, they get the chance, do they get the same level of chance that the white coach gets? Sneeze, sneeze, Charlie Strong. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. My allergies are acting up. Sheesh. But yeah, Charlie Strong. Um, they like him because of his beliefs. Yeah, I don't... Me, all three of us got the same beliefs. I mean, there's black but, coaches out there with similar beliefs. I mean, yeah, but how many of us black coaches uh, vocalize those beliefs 24-7 like a Tim Tebow? But we don't... Do we Mark have Hill? the ability to? That's my issue. That's, because, like, look at, look at Tim thing. Tebow. Like, Tim Tebow professed Christ, correct, mm. And literally got ran out of the NFL, like pretty not not saying completely because of that. No, but he didn't, well, his, somewhat his Christian belief had well, nothing he, to do with it. This man, he he was he, he was he was an, he was an three, athlete. Look, and I'm I'm gonna die on this hill. Up until three years ago, Tim Tebow had the same amount of playoff wins as Matt freaking Ryan. 
and Matt Ryan is still in the NFL. Yes. Can we? Can we? Yes. Can we just yes. sit on that for? But a here's second? the thing: he would so, be in the NFL so, so. if he was willing to change position because he was not a good quarterback. He could have been a fullback. He could have been a middle linebacker yeah. if he wanted to be. But he was too proud, which is one of the deadly sins. <laughs> so he should know where the deadly sins are. He should know all about pride. He was too prideful. That. You know what? To take every a position that they thought he was better fit for. You know, every black quarterback that's a running quarterback but can't throw, they go into the NFL and they become a wide receiver. Tim Tebow, you know, he he had his brand and he needed to stay on top of his brand, which is why I feel like he went to ESPN and now for somehow playing in the minor leagues, the, which he should have been. He was in. He's in the triple minor leagues. That's, you know, that's that doesn't make <laughs> sense. Make, at all. That's only. <laughs> To, to, to sell, to sell yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I remember when they, when, mm-hmm. when, not to get off topic, but Tebow, when the when his the Mets AAA affiliate came to play the the Gwinnett Stripers, which I still don't like that name, but anyways, the 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 what was on the billboard was not, you know, Stripers versus Mets. It was Tim Tebow is coming to play against the Gwinnett Stripers. But see, and, and, and yeah, and like my biggest thing is like, where do you see any black athletes being afforded? Like, let's just let let's take let's not let's let's get out of social. Let's let's take it to the sports realm. Do you see any black athletes getting that type of chance right off real? Like, let, I'm just being honest. Michael like, Jordan did, but way. Michael Jordan's different than everybody. Let's let's be honest. He was yeah, it's, it's he was in a different the, category. He was he was. Exactly. You're talking about the one of the top three greatest basketball players ever gets that. You know what I'm saying? Didn't didn't Russell Wilson um, try out one year or he, he's been drafted training? multiple times and he did attend spring break uh, spring training for the. For the Yankees, but he he had no intention to actually play. He, he just he just he just went right. so you know talk to the guys and develop a relationship and share his you know his stories with them and you know allow for mutual growth. But he didn't he he just he just went and throw threw the ball around a little bit. That was it. And let's not get it twisted. I think Russell Wilson went in the first round of the draft. Yeah, the first one. He could actually play baseball. Yeah. He can. Yeah, he can actually play baseball. We're not talking about somebody that's like, man, I play baseball in high school. You know what? I want to try professional baseball. Let me see how this works. And it's still on in the field well, because I, of what his name is. But I digress. I think, I, I think one thing that we haven't addressed in terms of that is that a lot of the black athletes that make it, even if they make it as like a practice team or whatever, you're riding the bench. They're glad they made it. Um, and they're just going to secure their money because, you know, a lot of the times their family isn't as well off as what you may see with other races. So where Tim Tebow, he had the brand to where he could take that risk of going off, um, not playing NFL football anymore. He had a job immediately lined up with ESPN. You don't see that very often with some athletes. They don't have that that brand, you know, and they don't have 
the luxury to be able to, okay, if it doesn't, if I don't get what I want in terms of the NFL, so if I'm not the starter, I could just walk away and I'm still going to be okay. Correct. I think some some athletes, you know, they're just going to take sure. that. I'll take a practice paycheck, even though it's not. What you mean? <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, but my oh, my yeah. biggest thing is like it, it's it's different. Per like, I mean, we hear this argument every time or every year when the draft comes up when you have black af- black athletic quarterback versus traditional, you know, pocket style quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, why is it that you know that particular person? You know, Lamar Jackson. Yep. Obviously, the yep. dadgum MVP was told that he was going to have to probably be a wide receiver or he should try for other positions because of the fact that he was a black quarterback. And you have Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Moxie. Oh, my gosh. The guy, he's he's a winner. He's he's a winner. He's a winner. Um, Yeah. What about that? What about that? Two, two. To, to be fair, the Browns are a dumpster uh, no, fire. No, see, but no, no, you know because I don't, I don't want to hear that. Lamar Jackson literally took over for Joe Flacco in the middle of the season, not last year, but the year before that, and nearly came away with a playoff win. Like cold, like Baker Mayfield gets all this hype and lays an egg. And I'm just saying, outside of Colin Coward, Cowherd, or whatever his name is, I don't hear anybody really criticize Baker Mayfield. But, like, think about that. Like, that's the issue. Let's bring it back down to college. Like, look at Trevor Lawrence. I'm willing to say that Trevor Lawrence, he really is. He's a great quarterback talent, okay? Do you remember any of this when Deshaun Watson was at Clemson? Does anybody remember Deshaun no. Watson getting any type of that hype? Now, Palpa, no, but 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 Deshaun Watson didn't hit the scene the way Trevor Lawrence did. Trevor Lawrence came in as the number one quarterback in some. I think him and Justin Fields, depending right. on yeah. what poll you know you looked Justin at, Fields. were were number one. I bet. Um, but he came in with that hype, and his freshman year was his best year. So that's, that's you come my in point. with all this hype. Now, now he needs to. He deserves some criticism, um, and depending on how he does, if we have a college football season, you know, um, that's where I feel like he's going to find his criticism. But the hype, you know, he came in. If Justin Fields would have came in and had the type of season that Trevor Lawrence had, I feel like he would have had similar hype here's why i don't agree with you on that it's because like his best year was his freshman year last year what did he play nothing i mean he's not playing anything okay okay but that's what i'm saying that's what everybody does when they get to the top they just play the cupcakes but and hold themselves up until they make it to the to the the postseason. That's to the end. That's what. But I'm saying, look at look at who Deshaun Watson. I'm just saying, like, look at who Deshaun Watson had to battle when he was in college, and he still faced criticism. Like, dude went toe to toe with Lamar Jackson in a flat out shootout. 
and got the best of, of Lamar Jackson in college by a by a margin, which to me speaks volumes about who Lamar Jackson is because we all know Louisville ain't even on the same stratosphere no. as Clemson. And Lamar Jackson carried that team, which is why he won the dead gum Heisman Trophy. Like, let's be honest. But you right. see how Deshaun Watson tore up college. I mean, he beat the best Alabama defense that I've seen since 09. On a they were trapped. But don't don't play. <laughs> don't play. When when Georgia wins something, you can come and holler at me. But he tore up the best. On a game-winning drive. So we're talking about, like, dude, yo, my offense versus your All-American defense. It's questionably a we're pick play, about, but, you know, that's a different conversation. But, you know. That's a di- but that, that, that's, that's the defensive coordinator for Alabama's fault. If you go cover zero every time in the red zone, I'm you telling me you ain't going to take advantage of that as an offensive coordinator? But that's a pick play, man. That's an illegal play. Dude. Everybody, it, everybody do it. I'm not going to see it. I'm a Nick Saban fan through and through. What have they been doing since they had tours? The same thing. They, you know, they, they disguise that stuff in RPOs, all of that. We, we Look, I get it. But at the end of the day, the man has proven himself. And he's like, think about that. Before he got hurt his rookie year, Deshaun Watson was the highest rated, had the highest rated QBR in the NFL. I'm talking about smacking people in on a dismal team, but hardly gets any credit. So, I got an even uh, a update from Bleacher Report that says that, you know, Drew Brees doesn't agree with kneeling because he says that it's still it's disrespecting the Yeah, the I, I heard about that. Yeah. And that see that that is my issue right there. Like in sports. He is he you can't be that freaking dense as a well, human he's, being. He's steering the argument so he doesn't have to have this uncomfortable conversation. Okay, then let's then let's put it this way. Um, how many of Drew Brees' teammates is black? A lot. Look, he might be near retirement. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm going to say. Well, two of his teammates have already come out basically just bashing him for his comments. Man, and then that, that's what I'm saying. It's like you, you, you – maybe that – puts a brighter light on what I've been trying to say as far as the privilege that you have in sports. Right. I'm going to be completely 100% with you. And if he would deny it, I would call him a liar straight to his face. Drew Brees isn't saying that because the fact that he believes it. I don't even think he's trying to get away from the, I don't think he's trying to get away from the conversation. I truthfully believe that he, he thinks that he has too much to lose with his quote-unquote fan base that he's not willing to take a stand and simply understand what's right versus what's wrong. And that's my problem, is that he cares more about money than justice, where guess what? If his kids were black, he would feel totally different about what's going on. That's my issue. That is my issue. I hope, well, never mind. Like, I can't say I hope the Saints lose because they choke every freaking year. So, good job. And what I will say 
because I I personally, um, you know, if you nil, that's great. I don't think it's a negative thing. It shows that you're trying to take a stand or shed light on on the police brutality. But if you disagree with it because you feel like it's somehow disrespecting the flag, not like someone sitting there stepping across the flag like they were doing in Valdosta, but they're just kneeling, you know? Um, I think that's that's where, like, I feel like you're, you're there's a disconnect in the thoughts um, in that where Drew Brees, he, he, what he should have said, he doesn't agree with the kneeling, but he agrees with, you know, what they're kneeling for. Yes. Um, and that, he agrees you know, with I the can, message, not with the action. The but, action. I mean, and I, I think that I could stand behind, but for him to just outright say, you know, he'll never stand for the kneeling because it's disrespectful. You know, that's, I, I mean, think this, you're, is, you're this missing was a long point. time to make that, that statement. If, right. If, you're you're really you, missing. It's, it's, it's the truth or not. It's, this is this was a time to keep your mouth shut about that stuff. He doesn't get it. I'm no. telling you, he doesn't get it. Well, I mean, you gotta understand that where he's from is not a, you know, not the easiest place. I mean, think about where he played ball. He was like college ball was Purdue. He was up there in the middle of nowhere playing ball, and it's a very different environment up there. You don't get to see this diversity that you have in other places in the country. But look at where he's playing now. Yeah, he should. New he, Orleans. Yes. New freaking Orleans. <laughs> but his You decided years. to have his dumb behind stands in New Orleans. No, you're right. But, but think about his formative years were in place where he's get educated the most. He's in Indiana of all places. But but here's where I I don't I don't want to hear that is because at the end of the day, like he has to see what's going on. It's new. Let's just go to New Orleans, and you you tell me that you look around there and that the diversity and the type of people that you see every day. I don't care if you live on the good side of New Orleans or the best side. You're going to run into different types of people. If you can see that. You don't even have to go outside. Like, don't even go outside. Look on the TV. If you aren't smart enough to understand by now what's going on, it's one of two things, my man. It's either the fact that you're just that ignorant and that dense that you are just that far gone that you don't get it, or B, you're you're afraid to make a stand because of the low dollars that you that you may lose or the fans that you might lose in the process. But here's my thing. Let it be his son that has a knee on his neck. How is he going to react then? Just saying. No, you're. I'm. I'm not. I am not defending the man. I'm just giving clarity and giving, you know, perspective on the situation. He, he, right. he, he didn't make the right move today. I'm. I agree with you on that. That was, that was, lack situational awareness, which is a phrase we like to use a lot during college. Uh, well, I mean, you like to use it a lot during college. Situational awareness. Oh my gosh, we should just do a podcast on that because Lord knows. 
on a on a serious note, what I will say about Drew Brees, like I said earlier in the podcast, I feel like we all need to respect each other. While he, I disagree with his statements. Um, you know, if I was his friend, I would reach out and educate him at this point. You know, don't don't try to make him feel like he's against the world and his thoughts. Try to shed light on what everyone else is seeing and what we feel is right. Um, and hear him out because you may, you never know. He may agree with what's going on, you know, but he just said something incorrectly or what he said was insensitive to the times we have. So kind of, you know, coach him in the right direction and I feel like that would be a nice approach keep the peace you know I, I think that is the, the key in this whole situation that we've got is is education uh, and developing understanding and, and dialogue uh, I know back a couple years ago when the kneeling protest uh, hit, hit its fever pitch Miami Dolphins, as an organization, sat down with the Miami Police Department uh, to improve relations. And um, though I've not done extensive research, Miami seems to be one of the places that is not having the level of issues that Atlanta seems to be having, that Minneapolis seems to be having, L.A. seems to be having. Uh, Maybe we need to take a you know, take a, a play out of their book moving forward with this stuff. Just maybe. It might work. Sounds like a good idea. And it worked too? You don't say. Oh my gosh. Conversation and understanding each other. I never thought it would be, you know, so so productive. Yeah, uh, you mean using common sense? Wow. Think about how much life that would save if people just use common sense. God, it's just so hard not to be sarcastic. I apologize. I know I'm supposed to be serious, but that that's the frustration, the the frustrating part about that. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, speaking from a personal standpoint, it do you realize what that does? And I, I understand what y'all are saying. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I mean, y'all check me if I am being disrespectful. But that like that is exactly where the holdup is. You know what I'm saying? Is it's that right there. For you not to be able to look past your own privilege to see what something means. And that that just doesn't make sense to me in 2020. That doesn't make sense to me that you can't get out of your own way. Sheesh, man. My, like I told you, my dad served in the Air Force for 26 years. I mean, I'm the last person that wants to disrespect America. I love America. But right now, what it's standing for is not conducive to what we were all taught that America is. I mean, like I said, if y'all if y'all feel some another difference from a uh, different way, then I would like to know because like I'm all about learning. But everything that we land of the free, home of the brave, land of opportunity, the great melding pot, you know, where is that coming? Is that just for justice for all? 
I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing justice for some. I agree, but I, I feel like, you know, everybody's going to have their different ways of um, voicing or trying to change the world. You know, there's there's going to be some people who are going to be more understanding while they recognize, um, they try to see other point of view. There's going to be people who may disagree um, in certain aspects, but, you know, they could see the other side's point of view. Um, but the the main thing, like I, I always say, you know, respect each other and then, you know, record. I think as long as we recognize that there's an issue and we take steps to correcting said issue, we're going to be in a better spot. Because, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think anybody or I don't think the support of the nation um, was where it needed to be for people to see, you know, what's really going on. But now that we have the support of most of the nation, you know, we could push some agenda. Right. Well, I'll say I'll say this to you. And I mean, this is not to go back to what I said on previously. I still, I mean, go against what I said previously. I still think that we need respect. Don't get me wrong when I say this. Sure. But to what extent? Because I'm just going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate for those people that are super ultra pissed out there. Here's what they're probably going to say to this, so what you're saying. They're going to say that we've done every single thing that we can do. Right. In order to get them to understand, not to get them to even change the way that they're acting, just to understand where we're coming from. And they're more worried about preserving their status quo than hearing what we have to say. To that person, what do you say? Like I said, I don't. I think there's going to be different methods for different people. So I can't tell someone how to react or how to carry out that plan. Um, you know, the looting to me, you know, it doesn't make sense. But for other people, you know, you do what you want to do. If you get arrested, <laughs> that's on you. I'm going to support the arresting because you shouldn't have been stealing in the first place. You're taking what's going on in America and, and trying to take advantage of that um, and seize the opportunity. And I think that's wrong. Um, I don't think so. If somebody kills you, does that mean you need to, or kills someone that you know, someone that you love? Does that mean you need to go back and kill them? Um, is that where we're at right now? So I don't, I don't think we combat, you know, police brutality with, um, brutality against the police. Uh, but that's just me because, you know, what, what ends up hap- happening is it, it pits everybody against each other. Each other. Um, and I don't think that's, that's what we need. Uh, me personally, I feel like the only way that this is going to work is if everyone is on board and we have cooperation. Even if, like I say, even if you don't fully agree or if you don't agree with the means to get there, you're going to have to, you know, just recognize it and respect it. 
and and I get you. I I one hundred and fifty percent think that you're spot on. Uh, I I just I know that you know me personally. You know, to me, it's a struggle. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not. It's a struggle for right. me because I mean, like, what Lamores is saying is like it's perfect on paper, and I think that it's exhibitable by every human being. It is, but for for us being the ones that are the ones being looked down upon, right. I can say I see why people are acting the way that they are. I'll say that. I'll, that's what and, I'll say. May not you know. What's up? You know, it's not to say that I don't get angry. Like, watching the video of the cop on his neck. Like, you know, there's so many thoughts that go through your head. Seeing that, knowing the outcome. Like, in theory, if I was there, you know. What would I, I have done? You know, I would have probably drop kicked that cop to the head. But if I would have done that, that's my life. As soon right. as I run towards that cop, my life is over. No questions asked. Right. And, you know, so you, you can't just like, you know, act on that angry impulse. You can't. Um, You're right. And that's, that's where I think it's going to be. Um, people are going to be bumping heads and it, it's going to be sort of, Ritlock in terms of how do we approach this? Because of course there's going to be some people who are that angry, but they're not going to have the control of their emotions the way I may have my the control of my emotions. Right. Because I'm just saying like now, here's what, if I was in that mindset of that other person, here's how I would come back to you. So you're saying like, you run after that, that your life is over. Because now you've tried to take the law into your hand, which is where I, I see that. I agree with that. But it takes a loss of some of an innocent life for us to get where we are right now. Why does it have to take us losing lives? Why are we the only people that lives are being lost to this extent? In this situation. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's my mindset, but I'm saying from, I can see that's what they're thinking. Right. And I, when you, when you hear like that, you're like, well, gone. you know, it's black lives that are being lost right now. You know, that's why we're, we're frustrated. So you're telling me that someone has to die. How many more people are going to have to die for it to click? And I think that that's where, where, where people who are, like, I'm not saying the people that are looting. I think the people that are, like, literally burning the cities to the ground, I fundamentally believe that's where they're at. They're like, okay, I mean, you're going to afflict harm on me anyway. You already see me less than what you are. Let me show you what I'm capable of. And I'm going to burn this to the ground. And when you get in that mind space like that, I'm not saying that they're right, but I'm not saying that they're wrong either. Right. That's just me. Like I don't think you should be out there breaking, like taking advantage of this other situation. I think all three of us agree. That's 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 pathetic. You going in there, seeing that a man is dead, and then you're like, 
Oh man, free vans. Oh man, I can get a 90 inch screen TV for free. You know, that's wrong. But being mad enough to burn things to the ground, I'm not saying I would do it. But I'm not saying that I don't see where they come. I'm not. I, I see where they're coming from. Well, even taking I, emotion out of it, what you did before didn't make a difference. They didn't hear you then. They didn't listen. They didn't listen when you took a knee. They didn't listen to you when you wore where you you wore your I can't breathe shirts. It so it gets to the point where what are you got to do to get get it be heard? What's it going to take? Peaceful process yeah. didn't work. Right. And I think that that's where that's what you're seeing right now. That's what I fundamentally think you're seeing, because you've had it since 2015. You've had five years of people just calmly saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it, it, protesting peacefully, not saying it, not saying it like you had a, a whole racist owner in the NBA. And guess what his punishment was? Let me tell y'all what this man's punishment was for being a racist NBA owner. Two billion dollars. Two billion dollars. Paid. He got paid two billion dollars for being a racist. Like, dude. Like, come on. He bought the he bought the franchise for four hundred thousand and made two dog. That's a payoff. And you see stuff like that. As a member of any race that's being oppressed, black, Hispanic, Asian, whoever, and you're just like, okay, just chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, and then you just you get to that point where enough is enough, and people finally get frustrated enough to take action. And I fully believe that's where we are, and I do not think unless until people are being heard. You're going to have war on the streets until some until something that shows that both sides are willing to listen happens. I don't see it ending. You, it's like it's the perfect storm, my man. It's it, you got a pandemic that's keeping everybody basically indoor. I mean, away, you know, from each other. So you know, I got people out of jobs. So you got that frustration. On top of this. It's a perfect storm for things to go wrong. I don't know. I'm just I I'm being 100% when I say, man, we've got to tread carefully. Like because for everybody who sees the viewpoints of like Martin Luther King and Gandhi and, and peacefulness, you're going to have people that see Huey Newton and Malcolm X as their leaders and their inspirations. By any means necessary. And I mean, that's just, I think that's what, you know, people are afraid to, are afraid to hear and what people are afraid to talk about because nobody wants to sit up and just, I mean, just be real. You know, I mean, not, and I'm not like, I won't be too personal or too long, but I mean, you got, you know, my mom's telling me it's like you know you you may not want to speak up about this situation too much because you know this is where you are this is the demographic where you are and what what i see is is that man if if i don't say something 
Well, guess what? Or if I don't do anything, that's just letting those people know it's like, oh, well, he's okay with it. Which I don't think so, is fair. I mean, it, I don't think it is either. Because, like, you you are, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If I do decide to speak out, which I, I am, and if I decide to wear an I can't breathe shirt, which I am right now, you get all the, the, the hatred because people fundamentally think that I should just sit in my place and be quiet and wait for things to go away. That's, that's what I see when I like, because that's where I am. I mean, that, that's just the demographic of where I am. But if I don't say anything and I actually have the freedom to do it, how does that make me any better than Drew Brees? That's how I view it. That might not be how everybody else views it. That's how I view it. How does that make me better than him? Because he's saying, oh, no, no, I don't get it. I'm not being, oh, that's disrespectful to the flag. If I, don't, if I don't say something about it, that's like me saying, oh, yeah, man, Drew Brees is absolutely right. But, okay, so if you, if you feel like you're required to speak out every time that happens, do you not feel like, with the amount of incidents that occurs, that you're going to at some point get burned out. Because for me, I'm, I'm, I'm about, I'm about there in terms of, you know, looking at these instances where police or racism in America is, for, uh, is showing itself and it's, it's not being addressed properly. And you know, but that's you, the get thing. you get tired. You get tired. I, for for me, you get tired of of all of that. So trying to shoulder and carry the burdens of everybody's mistakes and shed out light on it, while yes, it's a great thing, but you cannot require a single person to do that. You know, twenty four seven for every event, and then if they don't do it for that event or whatever's happening, you feel like that negates their standpoint on the topic like I agree you need to speak out I I feel like you need to you know exercise your right to vote to do the things necessary necessary that you can to help the situation but making a requirement and then just saying that if you don't do it this way I feel it's wrong okay I'll see that but then I'll raise you this you said that you're getting burned out and me and you have had this conversation off air. Right. And like I said, I've told you plenty of times. I, I feel where you're coming from. It's just the way that I see it as a moral obligation. I don't feel like I can afford to be burnt out because I am blessed. Okay. I do. I, and I'm not saying that I have a platform, but I have a voice. Right. And the way that I think about it is, is that like, man, if I don't say anything, what, like, I, I don't, me, I'm looking at it. How am I going to look my child in the eye and say, man, this, that, the other, and the third, when they look at me and it's like, man, well, dad's doing it. You know, he's, he's trying, but he's getting burnt out. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't want anybody around me to lose 
their fire because you don't know who's looking at you. I mean, and it's like, my thing is like, you, you've got to examine yourself. The Bible says count the cost. You got to count the cost first and then see what you can do in order to, to make the world a better place. But you got to count the cost first. What are you willing to do? I'm not saying that I'm willing to get up there and risk my job or anything like that because I have a family. I have obligations and responsibilities as a man to do what I need to do for my family first. My family is the most important thing. That's it. But then I also have a human obligation to make sure that I'm doing my absolute best, even when that best isn't given back to me in return. Or I might not feel like it because I never know who's watching me. I don't, I don't. And for me personally, I feel that if I'm able to put my best foot forward and say, if I can go at the end of the day and say, you know what, man, you wore the I can't breathe shirt. You took the stairs. You took the whispers. Okay. You have done your part. Just do your part, whatever your part is. I'm just asking everybody to, to do their part. Because if we're not going to get anywhere with some of us not doing it and then some of us doing it. It's got to be unified. And I feel like when we get there, if it ever happens, I pray it does, but if it ever happens, that's when you're going to get that. You're going to get that breakthrough. You're going to finally break through that wall and it's going to be like, yes, we have traction. But I'm sick and tired of living in a world where it's just like, it is what it is. You got to go through it because my parents went through it. They felt like they had to go through it because their parents went through it. Those parents felt like they had to go through it because they actually got to see, you know, super harsh treatment. That generation got to see, you know, what's coming out of, you know, slavery and seeing that stuff, you know. Like, they all thought that, you know, they saw the riots, they saw the, the marching with, with Dr. King, they, they, say all, they saw all that. And they think that it's just the status quo because that's how it always been. No change is ever going to come if you continue to fit the status quo, no matter how tired you are. And I feel you, and I'm going to support y'all every 100% because it's like, it's your right to choose what you do. But I'm just saying, me personally, I'm going to do what I can do within my little realm because I feel like I have that, I feel I have that obligation personally that I have to do it. And I, I agree with you in terms of feeling that obligation. Um, but that's the only reason I say I don't feel like it needs to be a requirement is that for some people, it's going to be too much. And not right. everyone, not everyone's built to carry that. Um, and I think we all need to remember that um, and be mindful of others who may have, you know, I, I have friends who have mental, you know, issues. Uh, they're not as strong or uh, strong-minded as someone like me where I can kind of brush things off it's, it's not going to bother me as much 
So for them to take that stand is is a huger step for them than it is for me. So what I will say, you know, do what you can and whatever steps you do see, you know, if you feel like you're good enough to publicly step out and speak or if you want to protest or if you, you know, donate money to some of these funds and organizations that are helping the cause, you know, do whatever you can, but don't feel like you're absolutely obligated. Um, the only thing I would say I ask of people is, you know, hold each other accountable. If you see something that's not right, that's, that's the most important time to stand up. So regardless of if, you know, it's a friend, you know, sometimes friends, they, you know, they, they don't last forever. So if you lose a friend because you stood up for what's right, then that's, that's you doing your job. You're, you're doing what's morally correct. Um, but do what you can and don't feel like you're obligated to always make a social media post every single day because you're right. standing with Black Lives Matter or you have to leave your job to go and protest. Like, I, I, I think you need to be rational, do what you can and stand up as much as possible. But, you know, don't feel like you're obligated to do what everyone else is doing or, you know, meet this certain standard. You know, where as long as you're, you're standing up for what is right and showing your support in some way, whether it's your actions or your voice or whatever, I feel like that should be enough. You. I, I agree with you. I know that that I do agree with you. Now, hopefully, this uh, I'm not. I, I hope I'm not putting JT on the spot, but I I I, I want to ask this question. You know, um, being you know, you know, a white American, what what can you say or what do you think can be done from your vantage point? knowing that to some degree you have this unspoken of privilege that we don't have. What can you do to use that privilege for right? Or what do you think people can do to use that for, for, for good instead of using it to, you know, like the lady in Central Park who called the police on the black guy because she was, but she knew that if she made the call, that if she worded it the right way, and if he hadn't have been recording, he could have lost his life based on the way that she weaponized her, her privilege. So well, what do you think can be done in order to make sure that privilege is used in the right well, way? Well, um, first and foremost, I think before we even get into that point of of you know, utilizing our privilege. I think first we need they need to understand, you know, what's happening. Because, I mean, you can wear the T-shirts. You can go to the protests. But if you really don't understand what's going on and what the real issues are, you might as well be sitting at home because 
you're not you're not going to get anywhere when you don't know you don't understand and so i definitely would say that you need to talk to your your friends um of different races and ask them understand what their story what what happened what's what's going through their lives and how things are different because my parents never had to sit down and have a conversation with me on how to how to interact with a cop they just said just be respectful and you'll be fine it was no have your id ready have your hands on the wheel you know look them in the eye all that type of there that there was no there was not this big conversation so we don't there there is no level of understanding that's that that's one thing that makes privilege a a weakness at times because we don't know what you're going through we because we don't experience it we have no one and that's why drew Brees seems ignorant as he does because he doesn't understand he doesn't he didn't take the time to listen to his teammates to hear their story and understand what they've gone through their entire lives after that once you understand what you're fighting for and once you understand what they've been through, because it's, it goes back to the, the trope of you don't see color. Well, you need to see color because seeing that color means you understand, you see what they have to deal with every single day. And once we do that, then we can be a voice because clearly the white voice is heard more than any other voice. And if we speak up, if we stand there in between the wrongdoings and innocent lives on either side, I'm not just saying in defense of one side, and it's simply in standing between injustice and innocent people, regardless of the situation, regardless of who, who's on what side, that's that's where it needs to go. That's the step that we need to take. And w- once we do that, what, maybe we can finally have a conversation, a true, honest conversation, because that's where we need to get. I think you both agree with that. We need to get to a point where we have a conversation. But the question that comes into play is how do we get there? How, how can we get from this point to the point where real change actually happens? Without losing more lives. Exactly. And that's the catch 22, guys, because I mean, look, just look at every progression. And I, and I can only speak from, for, for black people because that's the history that I know. But you look at it. How many civil rights leaders, the big ones now, the ones that, you know, put everything on the line. How many of those people made it out of that alive? When you think about it. How many people, how many of those guys actually made it out alive? Al Sharpton. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said laugh at that. But yeah, <laughs> Al Sharpton. And like Jesse Jackson. Who, I mean, that's a whole nother subject. But, you know, I feel like sometimes that they use the 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 
the badness that happens in the world to their advantage. But that's for another time. That's for another time. Yeah. But you're right. It's, it's but, a short list. It's a very yeah. short list. It's a very short list of those people that made it out alive. So you're, you're just looking at history. Okay. Those who don't know it are doomed to repeat it. Yes. We've heard that in every history class that we've ever been in. So you ask yourself, if history is the best teacher, why aren't we learning? Hopefully there is a yeah, hopefully there's a different way. I pray that there's a different way. Because what history has shown me is that there is no change or there is no progression without lives lost in the process. And I think that that's disgusting. I think that that's the most idiotic thing that I that I can even my mouth can even come up with that my mind can process. But that's what history has shown me. That I don't know if there is a way. I hope that there is. And like I mean, Lamoris has given out some real, real, really good ideas about how to combat that and I believe that like I said what he's saying would fix everybody's problem but the biggest issue that we have and we all know this is that you gotta involve people in those ideas right and when you gotta involve people in those ideas and you got you know people who can't see past or aren't educated enough to look past something like that that's where you wind up with the issues that we have today. And I don't know if there is any other way that it can go. But I know that I'm going to continue to try for a better tomorrow because I want to have kids and I want to see them have a good place to come home to and a good world to live in and know that they actually have a chance to be successful in this world just, I mean, just because they, they're alive. I mean, because that they're going to do the right thing, know right from wrong and do the right thing. And they don't have to step on eggshells because of the fact that they have more melanin in their skin than somebody else. You know, it's, that's, that's, once again, that's just me. I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Now, keep hope alive. I feel like if they can, come together rival gangs in LA after Nipsey's death, we could kind of come together as a nation on a whole. It's it's not the end of the world, so keep pushing. You're right. You're right. Keep pushing. Because as long as you got hope, as long as hope is alive, I mean, you can't really, you can't give up. It's just... I know that I'm going to have to do a whole lot of praying and a whole lot of leaning on my brothers and my and my sisters, not just black brothers and sisters. I'm talking about my brothers and sisters in the human race. You have to do a lot of leaning on y'all guys because, I mean, it's it's hard. It's it's hard. It is it is it is hard, and I'm just. I know me personally, I, I, I feel that that sensation that Lamoris was talking about, like you, you, you're just tired because you've experienced it in your life so many times. But that's the thing that drives us, man. 
through all the the heartbreak, disappointment that I've experienced at the hands of racism in high school and in college, you know, what's the thing that keeps us all going, man? It it is hope. It's hope that the fact that, you know, the new generation, which is us, should be able to get through this and make this world a better place. So hopefully we all do our part and we do what we're supposed to do in order to get to that point. Because I love you guys. And, hey, I consider both of y'all my brothers, even though we don't share a slap of DNA. And if we do, we got to ask some questions because yeah. somebody been cheating. But, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I love y'all boys, man. And, I mean, that's that's what it should be for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, until, if you're just a terrible person, well, shoot, you're going to have issues with me. But I'm not I'm not gonna start off like that because of who you are. I mean because of what you look like. Yeah. You know? Uh I mean I think uh I love what y'all. we need to do is I mean, there's a song that I, I hear, you know, a lot recently has been uh Casting Crowns, uh until the whole world hears. And simply put it there a song saying we're gonna sing until everybody hears, until everybody everybody understands our message. You know we're gonna keep we're gonna keep shouting it from the rooftops. We're gonna keep putting it in your face until you hear us, until you listen to us. And I, I that's what this movement is about. It's about being heard. And for too long, this has not been heard. And it's got to change. This has been Georgia Bama coaches. Yeah. Everybody, stay safe out there. We're praying for you, and we love you. We're out. See you guys. Later. Deuces.